What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the channel. So today I am excited to have author L.L. McCray, a.k.a. Lauren McNeil, joining me today. Lauren, how are you doing today? I am doing really well. Um, we are currently experiencing a heat wave in the UK right now. So uh, I'm in one of the rooms of my house that is not air conditioned, so I'm feeling quite warm. Um, but other than the heat, yeah, I'm feeling really good. I'm really excited to be here. And uh, thank you again for the opportunity, David. It's, uh, it's uh, really, really exciting. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And yeah, you know, I, I keep I keep hearing all the horror stories about how you know hot it is over there. And it, and it kind of started, I feel like it started like up north here in the US because I was talking to like Brian Savely and I've been seeing Ben Galley make updates just about how insanely hot it is like north of New York. Because uh Brian's I believe up in Vermont and then uh Galley's up in Canada. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is so hot. And I go, you know, it's been like mid-80s. I mean, it's been humid here. But like yeah. it's been like mid 80s where usually it's like high 90s at this time of year in Alabama and it's just rained every day I feel like we've swapped spots with the UK <laughs> yeah. well I mean uh here okay overall it's less hot here than than you so I could say a temperature and you'd be like what are you talking about that's not hot at all but for us it really is so it's about 30 degrees which is uh about 86 87 in Fahrenheit um which is a lot hotter than it usually is for this time um yeah. and because this is a cold country all of our houses are built to keep in the heat so quite often it's hotter inside the house than it is outside and you just can't get away from it um and like i said we bought an ac unit because sleeping was just impossible but most houses don't have ac don't have mm. fans like ceiling fans or anything so every time it just rises a little bit here we we all die and we all complain about it so the world knows when it's hot in the uk um we're just we're just complainers <laughs> yeah i feel like the birminghams have switched 100 percent, 100 percent. the one here is is usually miserable weather-wise yeah yeah i always i always find it fascinating because i've never traveled to the uk my wife's uh traveled to spain and you know she was the person telling me you know, there's no air conditioning and, and so forth there and I just go gosh I don't know if I could like live without AC but uh, you know it's what they call the the first world problems but like I like I love air conditioning and I hate feeling sweaty and yeah. so I just I, I would have to move I just I can't I couldn't live there anymore <laughs> yeah. you'd think you'd think by now most Brits would have you know seen the light and bought AC or had it installed um I think we're very stubborn I think we like to complain a lot so and we always say oh it's only really hot for one or two weeks of the year you know you can cope and for the one or two weeks of the year everyone just moans about it you know we all you know die and you know we have a uh, heat stroke and everything and it's you know we really really do struggle um and I, I think it's just out of stubbornness I think yeah. most people probably could get AC even just like a mobile unit I'm not talking about fitting it just something you wheel out from under the stairs for those two weeks and then you put back um but we won't we won't um yeah which are, i mean we're like that in the winter as well like so many people will refuse to put the heating on until it's november even if it's freezing cold they'll just refuse outright so i think we're too stubborn for our own good uh. um <laughs> it's really bad yeah see so, i mean you know and I'll, i like i hate winter but i loathe summer and our fall here is usually like maybe a week or two because yeah you, know, you go from like you know super high 90s to like 30 yeah. <laughs> in the matter of like a couple of weeks yeah. but you guys have ex been experiencing heat for like a couple of months now right yeah it's been on and off a couple of months um the last two weeks in particular have been really bad but what we normally get is uh, a week or two of quite high temperature and then a week of rain and thunderstorms and it kind of clears the air and then it'll get hot again Mm -hmm. um i would say this feels like properly summer now in the 30s it's very mm. very hot we're supposed to have thunderstorms this weekend and then temperatures will cool down for a bit and then we'll probably have another spike in august um just the way it is these days y'all are more than welcome to take some of our rain we've had like three weeks straight of rain please send it over and we can start <laughs> talking about that instead <laughs> i'll just start yelling at the clouds outside because <laughs> because like literally it's like I would say it's like killed our summer because uh, the past probably two or three weeks, like we just can't go outside because the normal times when our daughter's awake to like go take a walk or something, it's just freaking raining. And I'm like, you know, as much as she would love to like go outside and jump in the puddle, 
Yeah. But there's also lightning, so you really can't. You know, so it's just, it's just, it's just <laughs> all right, let's yeah. talk about something happy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just want to start off like I always do. Uh, tell me a little about yourself uh, growing up. How you got, in, you know, did you read a lot growing up? Who did you read? And then kind of how you, how you got into writing? Okay. So um, I kind of have a slightly... I don't know, I don't know if I want to say unusual childhood for an author because most authors will say, oh yeah, I started reading Narnia or I started reading, um, you know, these well-known like children's authors. Um, I liked to read a lot as a kid. I was always, you know, I always had my nose in a book, but I don't, I genuinely don't recall reading any fantasy really growing up. Um, like I loved Beatrix Potter, um, which is, you know, very, English countryside with the Peter Rabbit and so on. Um, I really liked that. That was probably my very first uh, experience with anything that was like fantastical and wondrous. And I remember really enjoying that and then suddenly wanting to read more of that. Um, and a lot of the classic children's books that we were given, I hated because where are the talking animals? Where is the magic? Where is the adventure? You know, um, like so many children's books I really hated. Um, so I, I thought I didn't really like reading because there were a couple of books that I enjoyed and then I didn't really um, fall into it for a really, really, really long time. Um, like my major, major, I don't know, inspiration, influence, love of fantasy growing up were the Final Fantasy video games. Um, they introduced me to an epic narrative. They introduced me to a cast of characters that were all different and all had backstories and all had you know, individual personalities and things like that. And that was really my my hook um, into, this is something that I'm gonna become really passionate about and really enjoy. Um, so I grew up an only child. Um, I was alone a lot, both my parents were away a lot or worked a lot. So I tended to play video games. I tended to doodle a lot. I tended to like create my own characters. Um, so I've kind of been telling stories in art form or you know just writing in you know child you know you find um books that your children have written in terrible handwriting about the most ridiculous of things but I was one of those and I always wanted to be able to you know turn these little scraps of paper that I would staple together into an actual book so um I think I always had the passion and I think if I'd maybe had access to some more like fantasy books as a kid I probably would have started writing a lot earlier than I did um but yeah I always I always loved you know the escapism of it I loved the magical worlds I loved how you can be anything in fantasy you know you can have a giant sword you can cast magic there can be dragons there can be this whole other world with floating cities in the sky that was you know eyes lighting up as a child that that was that was me um so uh I ended up uh, in copywriting uh, professionally um, I kind of had a various office-based jobs and kind of always pushed myself towards doing more writing. Um, I could spell, which definitely put me at an advantage. Um, and then I kind of fell into marketing, uh, marketing communications, writing newsletters, writing websites, um, liaising with people from all around the world in, in the roles that I was in. Um, and then I've been a copywriter since uh, 2015. So all I did was write and I got paid to write and it paid the bills and that was brilliant. Um, and then I started uh, writing my fiction, uh, I would say on the side, because writing about dragons is more fun than writing about pharmaceuticals and technology and nah. all that grown up <laughs> stuff that people actually need um, and pay money for. Um, so yeah, I just kind of, I always had the bug, I think. You know, like some people have a bug to work on cars or, or, or do sports or run marathons or, you know, I always had the bug of, you know, I need to jot this idea down or I've heard, overheard a bit of a conversation and all oh, that's just sparked an idea. And, you know, that, that was always me. I could be driving along and I'll see like a number plate on a car and it will kind of look like a word and I'll kind of twist it into a fantasy word and then I'll be like, oh, what could this be? That could be the name of a place. What would a place with a name like that be like? And, you know, it just goes from that. I daydream a lot. I daydream a lot. I always have. And, and that's kind of how I am doing what I'm doing today because I didn't stop daydreaming. 
Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, I always find it interesting. A lot of the authors I talk to, even the even the younger authors, really hark back to books and you know Tolkien and, and so forth. They don't, not a lot say video games. I think Christian Cameron may be the only author that actually mentions video games like as an influence, and even still still in writing today. And that's kind of what I grew up on too. I. I you know, when I was in elementary school, like we had to read like for grades. So I didn't really enjoy reading that much. Uh, you know, it probably wasn't until Harry Potter started you know, getting popular that I really got into reading because I was like, you know, these are worth a lot of like we had accelerated reading. So so the like certain, you know, size books were worth more. So Harry Potter was like the highest rated of all of them. So I would read them and then go see the movies and blah, blah, blah. blah. <clears throat> but, you know, I never really got the reading bug until high school. And I only had that for about a year and then went off to college and did not read a book for four years and then got out of college. And I was like, Gosh, I need something to do like when I'm not out and about. So, so I started picking up reading again. And then it's just really been, you know, it's, it's, it's still, it's still getting more and more ridiculous <laughs> as far as books go. But yeah, video games were like always a thing. My dad, my dad actually introduced me to video games because he played, you know, Zelda on the Super Nintendo and, uh, that got me into playing Mario Kart, and I literally just like every time a new system would come out, I like I'd ask for it for Christmas and play, play new stuff. So, but my, you know, my ones, uh, you know, I played a lot of Halo and a lot of Call of Duty and stuff. So I didn't play a whole lot of fantasy stuff. But now it's like, uh, which I which I just posted on Twitter, uh, Jenny Dewis uh, got me into playing Diablo Diablo three, and so I got it on the Switch, and I've just been like, just day after day, just like getting after it and mm-hmm. gosh i'm such a nerd uh, but uh <laughs> but yeah yeah but but it's you know the just the story in it alone and it's one of those that like you can just go and go and go and find stuff and collect and murder things and it's just yeah. oh it's so great yeah. um very freeing <laughs> yeah exactly but yeah there's just it's it's fascinating because i feel like there's so much storytelling going on in video games and i'm surprised that more um, I guess writers behind those games don't publish works and or if they do they aren't as widely known because there's so much good storytelling in a lot of these big sprawling epic games you know like your your Skyrim your you know Diablo Warcraft stuff like that which I know there's a lot of fiction about Warcraft a little bit about Starcraft and stuff like that but uh, I don't feel like it's as wide of a range so it's interesting to hear you say that Final Fantasy was kind of a big influence because uh who doesn't love Final Fantasy? Yeah, it, massive, honestly. Like the amount of times I've been asked, oh, what was the, the author who inspired you? What was the book that inspired you? And then I always feel I have to lie and say, oh, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, or oh, The Hobbit. And you know, and it, it wasn't, I yes, I read them, but it, it didn't have that same impact on me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, maybe it's because, you know, you, you see the visual thing and you hear hear the dialogue in your head and you hear the music and everything and it's, you know, very impactful, you know, certain ages, I think you're very susceptible to what your thing is going to be, uh, like your passion and your interest. Um, and I was, I think I was seven when Final Fantasy seven came out. And then I played seven, eight, nine, ten, And I was in that impressionable age where, you know, your imagination is growing and you've got enough of a vocabulary to talk about it in great depth. And, you know, that's, that's what really impacted me. Um, and to my shame, I feel very, very, um, underread as a fantasy author or just someone who likes fantasy anyway. Um, like I'm reading more now than I have, I think, throughout any other period of my life. Um, and to my great, great, great shame, I've never read, actually read The Lord of the Rings. I've seen the films, but I've never actually read I haven't the either. Have you not? Oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> I, I've, 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 just, I've just read The Hobbit. I've, I've, I've been through it like three times, but I haven't yeah. actually been through the trilogy. So don't feel rained on. I actually know several people who have it because some of them actually find it quite boring. Yeah. Um, and there's a, but then you have all this whole array of authors that are like, oh my gosh, this is my first love. And da, 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 which I, I think I'm kind of waiting for Andy Serkis's uh, new narration to come out because, you know, he's doing the entire trilogy now. And I love the one that he just did for The Hobbit, uh, which I actually tuned in when he did the readathon last year. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I may I may wait again, but I mean, I've got I've got like the super nice like Harper Collins boxed edition. Like, you know, I, 
I'm a fan because I really enjoyed the movies and I enjoy the Hobbit. But yeah, I I can't say that I've read the whole thing. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a slight stigma. I don't think it's as bad now, but certainly a few years ago, I think if you hadn't read certain things, um, it was like, well, how can you possibly call yourself a fan of the genre? Oh how gosh, no, that's, that still goes on. That still goes on. Just just go on Twitter on a random day. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. You've got you've got gate, gatekeepers all over the place. If you, if you haven't read Rothfuss, if you haven't read Abercrombie, if you haven't read Sanderson, I mean, it's all it's always there and it's never going to go away. Yeah. And I just like don't tell if somebody asks me if I read something, I go, yeah, yeah, yeah I read that. And if they ask me more detail, I just like steer the conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, was like, I, I own them. Is that good enough? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, like, I'm trying to work my way through a lot of the things that I feel that I missed out on. You know, like I'm trying to read some of the classics like um, Belgariad and um, Wheel of Time. Um, Good luck. Yeah, I, I'm not really clicking with a lot of the older classic fantasy. I think, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, they're people's first loves. So I feel like, yes, they're very good, but there's also uh, nostalgia there. So, yeah. I mean, with my example with Final Fantasy, a lot of people can point out all the, the flaws and I'm like, yes, but it's still great. I feel like maybe it's similar um and maybe it's difficult for newer people to get into it sometimes mm -hmm. um because they're so different to anything that comes out these days yeah yeah we're uh we're supposed to be doing a world time read through i guess next month uh just in anticipation of the show coming out um because mm. i because i haven't read i haven't read the series and i've got like i just bought like the anniversary edition of the first book um wow. and i've got the prequel and i think the like oh, i would say like the first like six or seven books on audio so like i'm interested to go through it but like i've heard that it's like really good and then there's like a big lull and then when sanderson kind of picks it back up it kind of speeds back up a little bit um yeah. but you know I, I i'm just sitting there looking at was it 14 books now 15 and i'm just like gosh that is that's a lot it's a lot of books <laughs> and i'm like i have all these other ones i gotta get through <laughs> exactly because i mean i think all the audio i think i think they're like 28 to 35 hours a piece and i'm like oh my gosh i could do game of thrones because it's only you know <laughs> five books so far but god that's a lot but uh yeah i mean I i've seen the same thing too and i i'm trying to go back and do like i don't know like a series that i missed out on in the past like decade or two along with like a debut or two um because i since I started the blog, my focus has really been on debuts. And what I what I don't like is that I'll read a debut and then when the sequel comes out, I either I don't have time for it or like, you know, I just I just can't at that moment because I because I, I try to do every I try to do just about every debut I can to kind of get it out there and get into people's faces because hopefully they'll continue the series. Yeah. So my my thing is I've kind of like cleared out my cues of like audio and in ebooks and i go okay what what series do i want to go back through that maybe i didn't finish to begin with or you know I, like say like uh josiah bancroft's uh books of babel book yeah. four is coming out this fall so i'm like okay i'm gonna go back through the first three because i don't remember everything and i really want to remember everything for the fourth book because i feel like it feels like it's been so long since book one which it really hasn't been that long <laughs> if you really think about it um and then I'll go back through series that I love, like uh, Empires of Dust by Anastasia Spark. Uh, it's just like one of my favorite series ever. Um, and then I'll probably go back through R.J. Barker's uh, Bone Ships books yeah. because uh, the third one just had the cover reveal. So, but yeah, I mean, I, the gatekeeping thing, it's, it just needs to, needs to go away. People can like what they like. And if you haven't read Malazan, uh, then, uh, then you, you should just give up, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, what's the point? What's the point if you haven't? Yeah. No, I so, um, tell me a little bit about your writing process. You know, you, you said that you know you've been doing copywriting uh, for a while. I mean, did you take anything from that into your fiction writing, or has it always been kind of like a work in progress as to how you know you sit down and prepare for, I guess, a writing day or a writing hour, or writing thirty minutes? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I am really, really lucky to do. Um, uh, to be a full-time author now. Um, I went oh, that's awesome. in text notes, 2019, um, because I know it's been a while. It feels like a really long time. I think lockdown has made things feel longer. Um, mm. But yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of crossover because um, 
So I've done copywriting in-house for one company and I've also done it as part of a, a marketing agency. So I would write copy for lots of different companies and being able to change tone of voice and pacing and structure and audience and all of that kind of thing, I think is very useful, um, especially with characters, you know, because you want your characters to sound different and, you know, they're different people. So they have different thought processes and being able to kind of bring that to the fore. Um, I think the copywriting has definitely helped. Um, I mean, I don't know really what people think of my latest book because it's it's so new um but i've always felt historically that writing characters has been one of my weaknesses and i definitely feel that the longer i've been copywriting and my later books have definitely improved in that area um so hopefully hopefully it's a thing that people see if not with this book then certainly all future books um as far as my process uh i take a lot of notes um i have the worst memory of anyone you will ever meet. Um, I'm a goldfish. Uh, if I don't write it down, I will not remember it. There isn't a, a hope that I will remember it. I can even pick up any of my previous books and look at them and not have a clue what happens next. I don't remember writing it. I don't remember what happens next. So <laughs> when I when I come to writing things, uh, I start with notes. I start with the daydreaming. Um, I'll have little sparks of ideas, concepts, um, maybe names, maybe dialogues, maybe a scene. And I'll just take notes for as long as it takes to have an idea that I can kind of pull from it. Um, so with the Iron Crown, I think it was probably about two years worth of notes before I felt that I had enough substance there to, to pull a story from it. Um, and then I'll then I'll kind of plot out a rough outline, um, not in any great detail. It, it's, you know, someone wakes up here and they meet these people and this sort of thing happens. Um, and then I'll do a chapter by chapter summary. And that's when I start actually drafting. Um, and that can take a while. I normally allocate at least a month solidly just to getting the outlining, plotting, chapter by chapter stuff done. Because if I run out of stuff that I've plotted out, then I will run out of steam with writing. So I need to have enough kind of goals, like, you know, events happening or, you know, just story beats to, to carry me through. Um, but I don't do that in a huge amount of detail. It's more like, point A to point B, and then I'll free write the getting there, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, and then the actual writing, I, I work in um, Pomodoros, which is basically writing sprints. Um, you sprint for 25 minutes, have a five minute break, and I'll do four of those, take a longer break, and then do another four. And that's pretty much what I do when I'm in writing mode, so to speak. Um, I'm really lucky I can get really high word counts out when I do that. Um, I think possibly comes from copywriting and having to write a lot in not a lot of time. You know, deadlines are always very, very tight. You're always under a lot of pressure. Um, so I definitely feel that I can take that element of my work into my actual now author work, I guess, um, because you can't edit anything. You know, you can't edit a blank page. So I try to get the bones of the idea out as quickly as possible. And then I can spend a lot more time with the refining and adding stuff and fleshing things out and foreshadowing and all of that fun stuff um which always sounds fun when you're not doing it and then when you are doing it it's like the worst thing ever but um that's that's just the procrastination I think um, I yeah so I'm kind of in between a plotter and a panster because I have to plot at least I need some structure um but then quite often you know I'll have my chapter summary but as I'm writing it'll, it'll naturally evolve into something else um and I'm very willing to let that kind of creative spark flow when it when it's there um and and sometimes I think the best parts of the books have come from the free writing bit um and then I'll just you know merge chapters or adjust chapters as needed um it's not a rigid structure it's just a flexible guideline to keep me motivated um and keep like the thoughts coming mm. I got you um so as far as self-publishing goes what do you how do you what do you feel of like the advantages and then or and or disadvantages and then what have you found has been like your biggest obstacle uh in self-publishing um biggest obstacle definitely the stigma i think um anything else you can kind of get around with a course or training or perseverance um i feel that the stigma of it is still is still there it's less than it was um and i've not really been doing this very long i mean my first book only published in 2017 um, so I still feel like I'm, I'm a new kid on the block, um, as opposed to, you know, some people that have been publishing 
as soon as like Amazon was a thing really. Um, but yeah, you know, you you meet people and you say, oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm, I'm an author. Oh, you published, yes. Oh, who with, or where can I get it? And I'm like, oh no, self-published. And then you can kind of just see, like, you know, when you're having a conversation with someone and you can see their eyes glaze over slightly or just a very slight twitch of the nose. And it's like, they think they're being subtle but they're really not being subtle. Yeah. <laughs> So that's definitely still a thing. Um, mm. And even just writing fantasy, you know, people are like, oh, well, it's it's not literary, is it? It's not very, it's not worth anything, is it? It's like, okay, just because I write about dragons, it's just as entertaining as, you know, a middle-aged university professor going through some sort of crisis. <laughs> people like what they like, just be quiet and let them like things. Right. Um, I just happen to like dragons. It's, that, that's me. And thankfully enough, other people like it that I can keep writing books about them. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, you probably hear this a lot, but there's a lot of control in self in self publishing. Um, I'm really anxious. I don't like when things are out of my control. Um, so being able to have all of the control over release dates, cover design, who I choose to edit, who I choose to send out arcs to, who I, uh, what price I sell it at even, you know, when I have a sale. Um, and I do like a lot of comic cons um, and conventions and things because, you know, fantasy, there's a huge target audience there. Um, and, I, and I do a lot of cons and it's really, really great to be able to just rock up there with a few cases of books and talk to people like we are now and just have a conversation about, oh, you like this author. I like this author. We're having a chat. Oh, look, you might like this. It, it's it's so like it's almost tangible, like how close you are to the people that read your books. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not just customers, they're not just numbers on a spreadsheet, they are, you know, real people, and you really do develop, like, a rapport with them. I mean, it's probably only because I'm still very small, um, you know, if you ever have, like, millions of followers, it's probably harder to have that kind of connection. Um, but it's such a wonderful thing to have, and I don't, I think I would just be a bit too far removed if I was to be trad published. Um, it's not something I ever, um, tried to do in any capacity I just decided no nope, self-publishing and that's what I did I mm. you know a marketing background I thought why not um <clears throat> and I've forgotten the, uh, the rest of your question I'm really sorry if I haven't covered anything you no no you think no, you're you, you, cons and stigma and then my brain ran with stigma and then I was trying <laughs> to remember what you said before. I'm so sorry I'm no, you're good I'm no real. no no you you pretty much answered like what, what I thought of and yeah, okay. I, I can I can see what you mean by you know traditional uh, because I feel like and it's not every author, but I feel like you know some authors you know let 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 it get to their head a little bit and you know they kind of forget that the readers do like interactions with all, not all of them that there are tons of people out there that don't follow their favorite authors or tweet out oh my gosh I loved your book blah 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 they might write they might handwrite letters if people still do that I, I, I assume people do. Uh, if, if people still know how to use stamps, um, but uh, you know, I was talking to Ryan Ryan Cahill about this last week, and there's something about self-publishing and having a closer relationship with the readers that you can. I don't want to say more easily interact with authors, you know, have the the easier interactions with authors and readers, but it just feels more genuine. Yeah, um, because. You know, and, and there's somewhere there's plenty of authors that I read that I've never had an interaction, let alone a genuine interaction with. But there are a lot of uh, traditional authors here recently that I feel that still have that same vibe, like uh, Peter McLean, R.J. Barker, uh, Josiah Bancroft. I mean, those are just a few off the top of my head that like I could easily chat with and they're traditionally published. Now, granted, you know, Josiah started as, as indie published um, or self-published. And it's it's just weird, but there, I feel like, you know, there, there's so many more traditionally published authors, but that's not true. There's, I feel like it's pretty even now. And clearly the content is really even now. Um, and Zach, Ar you know, Argyle did a post on our blog uh, right after Spithbo 6 um, about, about how that's just really it's just plateaued now there's there's no there's no difference um but yeah i would almost say that self i don't know i, I don't know i would almost say self is better than traditional yeah, I mean, um, because you have your you have your own well you have like your own 
uh, deadlines. Mm. You have that control. The marketing part may be the iffy bit, but there are a lot of traditional folks who don't get a lot of great marketing. Um, but yeah, it, but it, yeah, you're right. It's, it's different. It's just yeah. a different feel, a different way to go about it, a different approach. Um, yeah. I mean, would you, I mean, if, say, say you were given a, a trad deal, would you still say self-pub or would you, I guess, test the waters and see if it's any, if the grass is greener? Well, I think, I think it's silly to completely shut the doors and throw away opportunity. I think it would depend on the deal. I think it would depend on the terms of the contract. Um, I don't see myself giving up the freedom of self-publishing completely. I, I don't see how I could do that and be happy. Um, yeah. But considering something like a hybrid deal with maybe a completely separate series to see how it goes that way, mm -hmm. why not? Yeah. Um, but as long as I can maintain control of the, I mean, this is my business really. That's what, that's the thing. It's not just turning up and writing. It's, it's every other part of it. Like you mentioned the marketing, which can be a very steep learning curve um, and it's always changing. Um, it's working with other people. So yes, I can choose my cover designer, but I can't choose when they do their job. I can't choose when they have holidays or, you know, feedback from, I mean, yes, you write alone, but it's still such a collaborative process anyway. But as a self-published author, you get to choose the people in that process. And I really like that element of it. Um, yeah. um, so never say never but it would really depend on the terms and conditions and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would, I would like to hold on to that freedom as, as long as it, I can, and it makes sense to do, to do that. I think. Yeah. I don't know I if that's you. a answer. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Um, so <clears throat> talk a little bit about um, the Iron Crown, which is the Dragon Spirits book one. What, uh, what is it about? What can readers expect uh, from the story? And then we'll go from there. Okay, well, I have one here. Whoop, whoop. It's a, it is reversed though because of the camera. Um, it's quite a chunk, which you never really realize when you're just looking at, you know, the words on the screen. When you actually see a physical one, you're like, okay, yeah, this is quite chunky. So this is the first book of uh, a brand new epic fantasy series, adult fantasy, multi POV, because a lot of people don't realize that or may be thrown by that. Um, we have dragons, of course, it's kind of my thing. Uh, plenty of magic, uh, we have curses. It's basically the story of a guy that wakes up in the middle of a forest with no memory of where he is, what's going on. He doesn't really know very much other than his own name. Um, so you have a kind of amnesia trope there uh, to kind of kick things off. You've also got like the found family story. He very quickly ends up with a couple of characters who kind of begrudgingly take him in. And most of the book is kind of him trying to find out what's going on, what's happening. Um, other people like him turn up. So it's not like a, a chosen one in, in like a, he is the only one that's been selected for this grand purpose. It's not quite like that. Um, he is just one of many. Uh, we just happen to follow his story. Um, it's going to be a trilogy. Um, there is already a novella out, a, a prequel novella, um, which is free or you can pay for it on Amazon if you so wish but you can also read it free so please don't feel annoyed if you bought it on Amazon and then you realize you can get it free from me um it's not essential reading by any means it just kind of serves as a bit of a stepping stone into the world um I spoke a bit about you know that kind of that wonder of you know floating cities and all that kind of thing when I was little and I really wanted to have like a proper magic drenched world so we've got enchanted forests we've got rivers that sing as the water moves we've got you know magic that comes to life in the form of these dragon spirits which the series is named for um so you've got a spirit of a place you've got a spirit of a forest of a sea of a mountain um you've got the spirit of iron which has helped a country become an empire because why wouldn't it if you've got full control over your swords um so I really wanted to bring in like a proper epic fantasy with loads and loads of magic instead of, you know, magic is dying out or um, it's a rarity or anything like that. I really, really love properly epic magical worlds with a really eclectic cast of characters. And that's what I've tried to bring with the Iron Crown. Um, I am a coward. I don't really like the dark stuff. I'm not a huge fan of Grimdark. I'm not a huge fan of... Um, you know, hopelessness. So I try to write 
light-hearted, hopeful, fun adventure stories. Um, and mm. that's really what the Iron Crown is um, and what the series will be. Thank you, John. Um, so, you know, you, you brought up there's a, a couple of tropes in there. How do you how do you feel about tropes? I know there's a lot of people out there like, oh, my gosh, they got the usual tropes in there. I mean, do you do you love writing about tropes and trying to trying to find new ways to, to bring them about? I do. I do. And the amnesia thing really does turn a lot of people off, I learned. Um, I mean, I originally envisaged this as a portal fantasy, um, which is kind of where the uh, Fen, the name of the main character, kind of ha has his not knowing where he is, not knowing what's going on kind of uh, scenario. And then I changed it to epic and I was like, okay, well, how can I make him have the same thing without it being a portal fantasy? Um, and then you've got curses and things like that, which really kind of fall very naturally into the stories. It's like it was always supposed to be there. Um, but I really like them. They're kind of popular for a reason. Um, I will never not like reading about, um, you know, I should have written down tropes that I really like and <laughs> um, chosen ones are fun. I like them, but I, I, I do like them to be subverted. So when I tried to do like the amnesia thing, I did try to use it not as an excuse to just input info dump loads of exposition and um you know a character telling this is exactly how the world works and the sun rises at this time and this is this country and this is the history because that's just not fun to read it's not fun to write so i like finding ways to kind of naturally pepper in these sorts of details and make it come alive in a way that you don't even realize that you're being taught this kind of thing so i really like trying to do that um, I think that's uh, probably helped a lot by copywriting, I'm not going to lie, um, because you need to sell to people and, and then not realise that they're being sold to. So it's, it's that kind of, um, that sounds really manipulative, my God. Um, it's just a way of writing stuff that's entertaining and then someone comes away having learned something without realising it and hopefully, hopefully in an enjoyable way. So that's what I try to do. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to like tropes. I tend to not like the negative ones, uh, you know, the, the ones that are just there for the sake of being there. I like them when they have a purpose. Yeah. I like them when it makes sense in the situation or the plot or the world, um, because I think it can really add a familiar element to something that may be quite new and exciting. Um, and it's almost like a comfort blanket. Yeah. So yeah, when, when done well, uh, I tend to like them. I really, really do. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like adding like sensory elements to a fantasy world or to a, like a space opera. It's some, something that you can kind of latch on to. Yes. Uh, if you're if you're feeling lost. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it feels like the author is telling you, trust me, we, we know where we're going with this. Um, stick with it and you're probably going to have a good time. Um, so, yeah, I, I, do, I do like them. And there are so many more than I even realized. Um, you know, TV tropes is a rabbit hole that I've 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 kind of gotten lost down on more than one occasion, um, and you don't realise that how much of media is full of tropes, and you, you don't even realise it. You're just like, oh yeah, I have seen that thing five or six times, and oh yeah, that's why I like this thing because it's 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 an actual trope that people are aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah, I do like them. Mm -hmm. So uh, what uh what made you enter the uh, Swiftbow competition? Um, so I entered before, I've entered once before, uh, the fourth one, which was in 2018, uh, with another book here that I can show you. Uh, so this is Miranda, this is the first book I wrote back in 2017, and I entered it in, um, I, I'm, I'm an SPFBOer, I'm really sorry, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a SPFBOer. Um, but it did really well, it made it to the semi-finals, um, and I had uh, no kind of expectations of it at all, and I was like, oh people like it and maybe I could do something with it um, and I've, I've wanted to enter again since but I never had um, like a book that I felt well it that fit you know mm. had to be first in the series um, I do have an urban fantasy series but that was written more as a palette cleanser um, and it, it's good but I don't think it's my strongest writing so when I entered again I wanted it to be with something that I kind of backed 100% um, and I I had planned to finish the Iron Crown the first week of May and then the uh, announcement date went live and I was like oh well, something's aligned for me to maybe give this another go so I'll, I'll just pop it in and I'll just see I mean there have been so many fantastic indie books that have been out 
Um, you know, like I read Sword of Kaigen and I was in floods of tears at multiple points. I was like, holy moly, this is this is the level that, that we're at right now. And, um, you know, maybe I have a chance, maybe I don't. But if a couple of people like it, I'm going to call that a win. Um, so, yeah, literally just the dates lined up and I had a brand new book and I was all very giddy and excited. And I thought, ah, I'll just enter it and I'll run away and not look at it again and just <laughs> Um, but no, it's fantastic. I try and keep keep tabs on it every year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've got a, a lineup of finalists and semi finalists that I want to read. Um, I'm slowly working my way through. Um, the, the quality, like you said earlier, is on par with Trad. So mm -hmm. why wouldn't you? It's a ready made list of very very good books. Just go and read them. So yeah. um, it's something that's a fantastic competition. It does so much for the community. Um, and it was something that I was able to be part of again. So I thought, yeah, why not? Let's let's give it a go and, and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we were talking a little uh, off camera about, you know, kind of because you're because you're in our group, you're in our in our FFA uh, little little grouping there for 30 books. Um, and, you know, we're doing things a little differently than other blogs and kind of want to reiterate it out there because uh, a lot of people are like, why is it FFA baby announcements? Um, you know, because we've got well, we originally started out with 15 uh, and now we're down to 10 because people, I mean, we've got, we've got some ladies on here that are, that have just found out they're pregnant and, and life has gotten really busy for them. So they've taken a back seat. We've got a couple of others um, that just, you know, life has just gotten pretty busy. So we're, we're down to 10 now, but um, you know, we're, we're all reading every book that we've been given because we want everybody to have a fair shake because we feel that's the only way to do this. Um, and so we're, we're about ready to make our first uh, first cut of ten. Um, so, which is I feel like it's a pretty big accomplishment. I mean, I mean, I know it's been a few months, but uh, <laughs> you know, stuff's going to move a little quicker now. Uh, you know, we're starting to get into August uh, here pretty shortly, so um, that that opens up me a little bit more, and I'm sure it opens up uh, a few others that have kids. So, um, but uh, it, you know, it's it's been an exciting little ride so far, um, and uh, you know, expect expect big announcements coming soon, and you know, maybe a big announcement iron crown could be in there potentially since it's in our grouping so we'll see but uh you know, we won't we won't keep anybody on pins and needles for too much longer but um it, it is a very exciting competition I've, i was actually in it oh gosh was it spiffo three or four i can't remember i was with book nest and i was just a reviewer for it um and it was an it was interesting then i feel like it's gotten a lot bigger now than it was even back then granted you know we've had some amazing winners uh amazing past winners um and uh and i really kept up with it this past year um because we had kind of thrown our name out there to potentially be in it for seven which we are now which is yeah. awesome um and yeah so it's uh so yeah it, it's a pretty good field this year so i was i was kind of surprised i knew a few that were going to be entering and there were a few that were kind of on the fence and uh, Ryan Cahill was one of those that I mentioned to him. He was like, I don't know if I want to do it. And he was like, screw it. I did it. I entered it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I'm not going to look at it again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's awesome that you, you know, it, whether or not you get far, you at least have multiple eyes on your book. And there's always the potential that if you don't make the original cut, you know, there's, there's always a way to get known because people, you know, you can have a list of this book should have made it, but didn't kind of thing. So um, I'm really excited to uh, to see where see how you fare in it, um, and, uh, and and yeah, so we're churning and burning over here to, to get it done. With, so there's a there's a Facebook group. I can't remember who posted, but there was somebody quite near the beginning. I think before even like all of the spots have been taken, said something like, "Don't like focus on winning or being a finalist because you know it's 300 down to one, so that it's." It's not about that. It's more about like the network, uh, the network. I hate that word networking, but you know, the, the people that I know, you get it's, to... so, it's such a professional term. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, I like twitch every time I see it, networking. Um, but, it's, but it's about the connections that you make. And, you know, like I've spoken to so many authors already and, you know, speaking to you guys and other um, bloggers and booktubers and book reviewers. And it just feels like a community and everyone is just there to help everybody else out and cheer everybody else on. And yes, technically it's competition, but it doesn't feel like that. It just mm -mm. feels like a place where all of the fantasy lovers of the world that are on Twitter and Facebook can kind of come to chat. And 
honestly, that that is the best part of it and probably the most important part of it because, you know, I've bought other um, books that have been entered already. Um, I'm starting to read like the uh, Ringlander, for example, uh, by Michael S. Jackson. I've got a copy in the post on, on its way to me right now. And, you know, just like the cover contest, for example, you just see so many things because 300 books it's hard to pick out a few but then you see cover I'm like, oh what's that oh what's that and my tbr has just grown exponentially yeah. and, um, it, and it will continue to do so <laughs> but it's, it's such a positive experience i mean um anyone who's writing anyone who's indie published who's probably heard about it i would say honestly mark it in your calendar for next year um and just be part of it because you're going to take something good from it yeah yeah and i mean you know take for example the uh the, the panel we did at TBRCon in January. I mean, we had a bulk of the finalists. We didn't have every single one of them, but we had a bulk of them. And I mean, just like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of friends sitting at a pub and having a drink and just chatting. I mean, it's, it is not a competition in the sense of very, you know, being very cutthroat. Everybody is super happy for each other, yes. especially for whoever wins. I mean, it's, you know, and it's, yeah. I mean, you're trying, you're trying your book in the originally up against 30 books. And then if you make it to the finals, you're up against nine others that are equally better, worse, whatever. But I mean, it's always in, you know, depends on your reader too. Yeah. Uh, you can, you can have an amazing book. And if you've got, you know, say one blog that they've had a horrible couple of weeks, it may not win through because there's something in that book that just struck a nerve or struck a chord. And that, and that's, that's books in general, you know, there, there's always going to be a reader for one book that there's not going to be, you know, the, the next reader won't enjoy it as much um, because there's, there's always a variable somewhere. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's amazing competition. Mark has done a phenomenal job with it. Um, all the bloggers that have been doing this for years, because uh, I know there's, there's a few of them that have been there since day one. So, um it's just been it's been phenomenal so and i hope it continues for for the future so um yeah exactly so uh last question i got for you what uh are some books you've read recently that you'd recommend okay so uh you spoke about josiah bancroft um i'm currently reading the hod king uh on um audio very nearly said audible um which is fantastic um Weirdly enough, Senna in a Sense was the first audiobook I ever listened to. And that was such an introduction that I've been like a member ever since of Audible. It's fantastic. The whole series is amazing. Um, please, please, please read it. Um, Sword of Kaigen, I mentioned that I loved. And I also have to check my notes because I've written down a lot of other books. Um, funnily enough, there's quite a lot of indies here. Uh, I went on a, a binge and read all the Yarns World books by Benedict mm. Patrick. Um, fantastic, read them in any order you want, just pick a cover that you like and go with it, you're going to love it, it's fantastic. Um, Jen Williams's Copycat Trilogy, um, I never hear anyone talk about it, but it's fantastic, it's really, really good. Adventure, fantasy, lots of dragons, fantastic characters, great world building, what more do you want? Um, I say I don't like Grimdark, however, that being said, The Gutter Prayer, was the it blew my mind it was amazing i could deal with all of the horrible bad icky stuff because the writing was just superb um i just bought the third book uh when it came out so i've got that to read so um the gutter prayer trilogy quadrilogy definitely read that as well um, okay. yeah, yeah i definitely i definitely recommend uh black iron legacy but by hand uh which is gutter prayer yeah 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 <laughs> well, very nearly barked just then and he was going to ruin the recording but yeah um and uh yeah i need to read some jim williams i've got her um the ninth rain and okay. i can't remember the actual series name but it's see it's not it hasn't been released in the u.s so i've been having to pull the uh the, the physical books from book depository to get shipped over so um oh. It, it, it's really disappointing when there's uh i mean it, i know it happens uh in the uk too but like when there's a series that you've heard so much about that doesn't get uh, a publisher in your country mm-hmm. um which i know uh you know that that's just one of many like like i kind of wish that uh anna stevens godblind trilogy had gotten a, a u.s audiobook series um because i'm pretty sure at least the first book is on audio in the uk and i like cannot get it anywhere um oh no but uh what's that that's ridiculous like 
on it's a, not fair. I mean, just just exchange the rights. Let's do it. I know, right? <laughs> How difficult is it? Yeah, you need some. You need some great series. I, I I definitely recommend all those as well. Um, I need to read Sword of Kai. I've, I've heard so many good things. Oh, about it's so it. good. Just have some tissues ready because it will kill you multiple times. I'll make sure I'll go get a fresh box. <laughs> Uh, well, Lauren, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and chatting today. And uh, let's see the uh, the cover for the Iron Crown once again. So the Iron Crown is available everywhere. So make sure to go grab yourself a copy and uh, look forward to a potential announcement soonish uh, in regards to it in the Spiffbo 7 competition. Um, but Lauren, just uh, best of luck in the competition. Uh, I will say that as a I don't know what kind of party I would say because I'm in it, but you know, you know what I mean. Um, but uh, best of luck with it and best of luck with book two. Uh, and um, we will try to do this again sometime. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Thank you so much. It's been fun. Absolutely. Absolutely.